Welcome to Just Markets 365. My name is Shay, and today is April 7th, 2019. Well, it's officially been a great uh, first quarter, and uh, we've had some great numbers here in the market return. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to do a quick uh, market recap of the year-to-date numbers, and then we'll get into some topics of Brexit, uh, into the Indian elections, um, and also talk about some of the technicals uh, globally on the equity side and kind of talk about where I think the markets are from a technical standpoint and uh, because we've talked a lot about fundamentals this week because there's so much economic data that came out. So as far as the index returns, the S&P 500 is up about 11.6% year-to-date. The NASDAQ is up about 14.48%. The Russell 2000 is up almost 11%. The Russell 3000 is up 12.4%. The emerging markets is up 11 percent china is up 15.6 percent the ep index is up 9.45 percent japanese indexes are up 4.7 and australia is up eight and a half percent so across the board whether you're looking at in the u.s you're looking in asia you're looking in europe uh, or in australia you should have a equity allocation that should be significantly positive whether you're invested in mutual funds etfs or you have another advisor that's doing it for you if you look at your equity allocation you should be positive year to date for the first quarter so now let's uh, chat about brexit now we all know this has been going on since 2016 really right when david cameron came out and had a genius idea of uh, putting together a referendum and getting the population to vote on whether to leave or stay in the Eurozone. And he really created this crisis. And so what we're seeing now is, you know, a few a few years later here, we're, we're still really in the same spot now, right? It's UK doesn't know what, what it wants to do. The, the government, the lawmakers there, have no idea on which direction they want to go into. Everyone's afraid to make a decision. And now we're stuck to Brexit, not to Brexit, or to Brexit with a deal, or, Bre- or Brexit without a deal, right? So that is all the questions we're going to try to answer today here in just a few minutes. Um, so what we do know, so here are the facts, right? What we do know is is that there is a deal between uh, Theresa May's government and the EU, the, the Eurozone, on how they want to exit. The issue has been is that uh, the parliament has voted on this issue multiple times and has failed multiple times. So what's going on now? Now, the UK parliament had another vote this week, and uh, what they did vote, and what's my understanding is that they, if they're going to have a Brexit, it has to be with a deal. So there'll be no Brexit without a deal. Um, that's kind of what I got from uh, from what we, what I've seen or read this week. So if my understanding is different, I apologize, but that's what I got so far from what they have had this week. So where do we go from here? So what they're talking about right now, and and when I say they, that means the UK Parliament is 
they want to extend the deadline from April 10th, where they were supposed to decide and vote on whether to exit or not to exit the EU by April 10th, uh, Theresa May and her government is going to ask the EU to delay uh, that deadline till June 30th. So um, they feel they need more time to negotiate, to, I don't know, have another referendum or what have you in order to, uh, to, to figure things out. So they, they need more time. And the, and I believe on April 10th, is gonna, they're going to meet and they're going to uh, figure out uh, what to uh, what you know whether the EU will be agreeable to extend the deadline. Now, so here are the few options that I see. There there are many many options, but I'm I'm thinking about viable options here. What the um, the the UK has um, going forward. So the first option is obviously no deal with Brexit, right? Uh, the second option is leave under the current deal that Theresa May negotiated uh number three is um you know renegotiate the deal uh with the eu and that could probably take another year probably uh another option is do a, another referendum right like they did in 2016 and, and let's see on how the the votes come in this time and then last is no brexit at all uh what, what the uk can do is they can revoke um article 50 and that would cancel the brexit that they invoked just a few years ago. So basically, those are the options. And they, in my mind, uh, there's only uh, uh, there's only really two probable options uh, because when we're talking about no deal Brexit, I think that's a worst case scenario for the UK, and that's probably an unacceptable scenario for them uh, when it comes to renegotiation. I think that I've read in many papers and many uh, articles that the EU has said this deal that they have with Theresa May is the final deal if there is going to be a Brexit. They do not want to negotiate on the deal. So one in three in my mind are out of the question. Now leaves us with two. So leave under the current deal, have another referendum. That's the other option left. And then number five is uh, no Brexit at all, right? So I think what's going to happen is is that obviously this deal is not good enough for the uh, for the the lawmakers in, in the parliament. So I think what's going to happen is that they're either going to have another referendum, or there is going to be no Brexit, right? Or one of the same. I think as things go along here, you know. The, I just want to go back and mention that the referendum that occurred in 2016 was a non-binding referendum, meaning that the parliament has, it's not a law, right? It's not something that the, the parliament has to follow, right? It's a guideline, if you will, but they're stuck on Brexit, right? There's a lot of people that want a Brexit, and they've and they've been stuck on that for quite some time. So, in my mind, the longer this goes on, which it seems like the UK wants to go this, you know, and Theresa May wants to extend this to June 30th. The longer this goes on, the higher the chance of no Brexit. So, in my mind, 
um, and which makes total sense. Like it's not great for the UK economy to Brexit. They're going to lose a lot of. There's going to be a lot of d- disruption with trade. There's going to be a lot of disruption with with the financial markets in the UK because you know Ireland and Scotland are also kind of acting up a little bit because of the of all this. So it's going to create a lot of chaos, and I don't think most people realized on how much of a disruption this vote would be and what kind of kind of its own animal or chaotic animal this has become now for the EU and UK. So my bet is is this. I don't think there's going to be a Brexit in the first place. If there is one, it's going to be a no deal Brexit because I think there's that's just the way things are going right now. All right, let's move on from one uh, chaotic democracy to another, and that's India. Now, India has been doing well. Their stock market has been doing really well this year. The The Bombay Stock Exchange, the Sensex year-to-date is up 8.28%. Now, uh, end of last year, the there was a major slowdown in the Indian economy, and a lot of it had to do with oil price and and many of the reasons why the uh, the growth was slumping. So the GDP slumped to 6.6% in the fourth quarter of last year, where uh, the quarter before, the third quarter, it grew at 8.2%. So that was a major, major slowdown. Now, what has happened is the central bank, the Reserve Bank of India, has cut rates twice this, uh, th- this year. So in the first quarter, they have cut rates twice. And the very last one, was a 25 basis point cut, and it's now at 6%. And the core inflation is at 5.4%, which is pretty high. So what's going on here is is a lot of foreign investors, like you and I, that have invested in India for over a decade now, are really worried about the credibility of the RBI, the Reserve Bank of India. You may ask, why do you say that, Shay? It's because India is having elections next week, right? They're having lower house elections. So what they call their Lok Sabha is they're having those elections next week. And they'll be they'll go on for a few weeks. Right, because you know it's it's the second largest population in the world, and it takes time to tally up 1.3 billion votes. Right, so all that will take time. Now there has been some disruptions in the central bank, in the Reserve Bank of India, the RBI. Right, uh, they had their governor resign abruptly late last year, I believe, and they have um, the you know the current prime minister had nominated a bureaucrat, the, the former finance minister, to that post it, to run the RBI. And now that individual has cut rates now twice uh, this year. And a lot of investors, there's a lot of talk about on how this is more of a politically motivated event versus it being a, a pure economic reason because the economy is still growing at 6%. Where you have core inflation at 5.4, um, that inflation number is it's pretty pretty high. So unless uh, you know they're truly being independent and and it's for economic reasons, uh, the RBI, if inflation goes out of control, it's going to lose a lot of credit credibility. 
and the investors are going to question the RBI's motivations of cutting rates when inflation is relatively high. Now, I will disclose, you know, inflation in India has stayed above most developed countries, and it's normal to have a a relatively high inflation rate when you're growing at such a high rate. But, uh, but that that doesn't mean that their actions are not politically motivated. So, India has to be careful. You know, if it does turn out that they're wrong and they made the wrong decision by cutting rates twice in one quarter, then um, FDI, the foreign direct investment into India, could dry up pretty quickly. And that's not good news uh, for the economy as a whole. And the stock market has had a great run this year so far. So uh, profit-taking could take place. And um, and from a technical standpoint, um, the Indian stock market does look a little frothy there. It looks overbought. So I don't know, maybe a good time to, uh, to, to, to take profit and wait and see on how the elections turn out to be. And, uh, and if you think that's positive, um, I'll, of course, talk about it when it does happen. And uh, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about it then. All right, let's move on to technicals. Now, in practice, I've always used uh, technical analysis to, to d- d- determine when to enter and exit when I want to technically or tactically overweight or underweight or be neutral in an asset class, right? So, for example, if I am, we just talked about India, if I want to be neutral in India because I feel like the markets are pretty frothy there or the stock market has had a lot of run-up and technicals are showing that, hey, it's overbought, then I would use my technical analysis and, and, and determine that and I would then underweight or new, you know come down to neutral at that point to make that shift when I think it's, a, it's appropriate. So it's a tool um, not to make investment decisions, but to that motivate when to uh, cut back or add to any position, if you will. So that's how I've always used it. It's, it's, it's part of the overall portfolio strategy. Um, you know, you always have a strategic allocation and then you have a tactical allocation. And this usually just benefits in the tactical allocation. I do not believe in market time, but I do believe there's a lot of value in, in sentiment and when things are overbought and oversold or are neutral. So let's get after it here. So the first one we'll go through is the S&P 500. Now, as I'm looking at the chart for the S&P 500, we've had a great run, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, we've had almost a, you know, we're almost a, you know, 12, 14, 15% here, and it's a huge run up, and it's even much further uh, post the uh, Christmas Eve. So the market does, the S&P 500, the large cap index, does look a little frothy. It is coming down to a resistance lever here at 28.92 and it's bounced off of it a couple times. Now, if uh, this, um, if the S&P 500 now breaks through the 29.43 number, uh, which I think it's the next real resistance after it has broken through this one, um, then I think that that call could be off and it, it, it will have a lot of room to run. But based on the fact that earnings estimates have come down, uh, but the economy is slowing down a little bit, not going to a recession, but we're seeing manufacturing and everything else is slowing down a little bit. 
post a fiscal stimulus, uh, I, I, I find it difficult for it to have a breakout here. So in my mind, when it comes to the large cap sector, I would probably be, um, if you're overweight now and you feel it's appropriate time to take profits, this would be an appropriate time for, for you to take profits and, and become neutral in some of these um, large cap asset classes. And I feel quite similar about about the the uh, technology sector. It has a you know very same same type of um, same type of uh, chart where you're seeing um, things become a little frothy. The RSI it's showing the um, it, the RSI is showing that there is an over overbought condition in both the S and P and the uh, the uh, technology sector um, within the S P five hundred. And uh, we're seeing that the MACD is, is pretty healthy, actually. That's not bad. And the, the 50-day moving average has, you know, had crossed over the 200-day moving average um, right at the end of March, um, you know, just a few weeks ago. So that's also a bullish sign. So I would say, you know, we have some bullish signs here. And the market could take off, but there is some resistance that it's going to be met with. And if if it does go through with that, then you, you can see this market run a little bit more. Um, but I think that 12 months from now, this market is probably going to be positive. But uh, we could have a small correction here of, I don't know, seven up to 7%. So please, uh, you know, t take that uh, with a grain of salt there uh, for when it comes to technical uh, analysis. So, next uh, chart want to look at is uh, for the Russell 2000, uh, which is the mid cap index, and that is showing uh, actually uh, the 50 day mo mo moving average is about to reach the 200 day moving average, and it's about to break out uh, to the upside. The MACD looks pretty healthy. The RSI. The RSI is not close to its overbought line just yet at 70, so there is some probably some more room to, room to run there. So if I was allocating, I would keep my overweight in in small caps there, and especially with the rates uh, staying low here um, at these levels, not rising anymore. That is a definite uh, benefit for uh, for mid cap and small cap spaces. And so next, let's talk about. Uh, and the small cap space here. Um, the small caps, the Russell 3000 is, is looks pretty healthy, is on a bullish track. There's no negative, um, there's no uh, downtrend, uh, down, downtrend here. Um, everything looks pretty positive. So there is some room to run, run here on in, in the small cap space. So mid and small really benefit from lower interest rates and that's what we're seeing right now for, for the rest of the year. So, and, and for the market as a whole. Uh, next one, emerging markets. Emerging markets looks like has broken out finally, both on MACD side. The RSI is not it's, uh, just below the overbought air, um, line. It's just below the overbought space. So it looks still pretty decent. Uh, you can't use RSI by itself. You have to use it with a combination of other analysis. And I think that actually uh, the emerging market space looks pretty healthy, especially with uh, the the rates interest is staying stable, um, you know here in the U.S. So that that's one risk, the foreign exchange risk that will not be be there 
uh, for you as an investor. So that looks attractive again for me. Um, the emerging market is, it still looks pretty attractive and looks like it has broken out to the upside. Uh, next one, Australia. I mentioned earlier, it's done great and seems like it is somewhat in neutral space for me. I don't think I put any additional money here. Um, in Australia, looks uh, looks a little a little frothy in my mind, and looks like it's it's beginning to uh, do a downtrend. So, so that's where I'm at with Australia. And then, lastly, but not the least, uh, Europe, the EFI index uh, looks like the EFI index is about to break out, where the 50-day moving average is about to move above the 200-day moving average. The RSI is right at the uh, the over overbought uh, line, and then you have the MACD that's get, giving you a contradicting uh, buy signal where the MACD line is above the average line. So you're seeing is about two lines that are showing you bullish, and the RSI is showing you it's on the overbought space. So remember, the RSI, um, a um, investment, an index can stay overbought for quite some time. It needs a real reason to turn the other way many times. It needs a trigger. Now, if uh, if you have a no Brexit in Europe, right, and if you have no Brexit in Europe, that could be very bullish. Now, if you have a Brexit and it's an abrupt Brexit, that could be a pretty negative for the EFA index itself. So, so just keep that in mind. You know, technical analysis is great for for investing uh, tactically, but you also have to have to think about the possible risks on why your thesis or your hypotheses. Uh, your theory could be in, incorrect, and uh, so you always have to follow other news items and other, other other headline risks when you're investing. So, so it seems like all of those um, make make sense. Um, so I would stay away from Europe right now, actually, because of that very reason. If you have a, a no Brexit, then I would pu- I, I would pump some money in there, um, and and uh, I think uh, overall, I would say that. Uh, Equities probably, generally speaking, will will continue to run up. You know, you have global rates uh, that are low to negative, right? You have ten trillion dollars of debt around the world, sovereign debt around the world, that's giving you negative interest rate, so a nominal capital loss. So in that environment, why you know money is going to flow where where it can go easiest, and and if you have a bullish uh, standpoint globally, you know you know. That's where the money's going to go. Money isn't going to equities, right, or or commodities, and uh, and and that's where it's it's going to happen. So that's how you have to think about things. And uh, with the exception of the U.S. large cap, which I think looks a little bit more more frothy than all the other indexes, just on a technical standpoint, not on a fundamental standpoint. You could have a small pullback there again, um, but but probably nothing major. Um, I would say because everything is is leading into into uh, positives here. The economy looks strong. Everything fundamentally looks pretty strong. I would say, relatively speaking. Um, so yeah, so I think that's my take on the technical analysis side. I know uh, today's podcast actually uh, ran a lot longer than I usually do, but th- this is a one one po- one podcast for certain Sunday, so. There was a lot for, for me to cover with you guys, so that's what I did. Now, please, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and, and subscribe and follow the podcast so you would get 
you know, the update podcasts as they come out. You know, I try to do these Monday through Friday and then do one over the weekend. That way you all can get as much information from me as possible. Uh, and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and, um, and, and enjoy yourselves. And I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Take care. Please remember this podcast is for information purposes only and presenters will make every effort to provide accurate information, but assumes no responsibility for accuracy. You should not construe any such information or other materials as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there cannot be any assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or products, or non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this podcast will be profitable, equal any corresponding indicated historical performance levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. Due to various factors, including changing market conditions or applicable laws, the content may not, no longer be reflective of current opinions or positions. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this podcast serves as a receipt or as a substitute for personal investment advice from your advisor. To extent you should have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issues discussed, you are encouraged to consult with your professional advisor of your choosing.